Welcome to the Paul Jacoby Podcast with your host, Paul Jacoby. And welcome to the Paul Jacoby Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Jacoby. And before we get started, please go ahead and click that subscribe button. We see uh, see you non-subscribers. We'd like to get you on board with us. But uh, with no further ado, I would like to introduce our special guest today, Tyler Strauss. How we doing, my man? Good, good. How are you? Dude, I'm doing terrific, dude. Thank you so much for coming on today. Were you, were you proud of that of that intro? Were you proud of that subscriber? I must have been because it was the second time I did it because I messed up, guys. Man. This is, uh, we're that rolling shows. the dice a few times here, but I'm glad to have you here and struggling with me. My yeah, man. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, I find out you're, you're, you're not practicing. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not the best guys you know what you guys deserve better and that's what you get so thank you for keeping me on my toast uh but tyler uh just a little fyi here you are the most seasoned comic that we are going to we've had so far on the podcast yeah says a lot right yeah you must have what no comics in the podcast yet um actually we've had two but the beautiful thing about that is um one of the one of the things that I always put out there is, you know, I, I'm I'm fairly new to the comic scene, and uh, you know, everyone had their start and whatnot. But one thing I you can easily do when you you land in in the scene is, uh, you can you can sniff out the good talent and the bad talent pretty quickly. You know what I mean? And uh, you'll run into people, and you're just like, oh, you know, maybe they had a bad time. Then you run into them the next night, and you're like, ooh. Maybe they had two. And uh, then the next time after that, you're like, maybe it's just not for them. But, but uh, the sad thing is, is um, uh, they, they never get the gist. And, uh, you know, honestly, that could be me because I feel like as comics, we're all a little delusional. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's very nice for you to give one of those failing comics a shot here today. Uh, thank you very much for having me on here. Dude, you're great. You're great. Wouldn't have you if you weren't amazing and satisfied my tickle bone. Oh, stop. There you yeah, go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be here in this, this <laughs> studio that you got. It, this honestly looks like, I, I walked in here, I thought it looked like a, a gender reveal party lighting. I added the pink. The yeah, yeah. I added over the pink. Here. So you got a guy, mm-hmm. you got the pink for the girl. Tommy pink eyes, dude. Old Tommy pink eyes. I, got, uh, I don't know if that's an abortion. But, yeah, you got the whole gamut of a gender reveal going on mm-hmm. back here. Guys, we, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, big supporters of the LGBTQ+. So just throwing that out there, you know, strong supporters of every, every person out there, if you're watching. What did that have to we do love with you. men, women, abortion? Because this is a whole spectrum. <laughs> that's, that's what you need to know, guys. That's what you need to know. But, um, yeah, uh, just real quick, let, let's get straight into it. Um, how's comedy been going for you? It's good. It's so. It's how been, much? How much time do you got in so far? Like a year and a half? About a, about a year. About, about a, a year, year. Of, of doing the actual mics. Probably a year and a half of writing and half a year's worth of, of saying I'd go up and then just never actually doing it. Oh yeah, um, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's one of those things that I think you do need. You do need to set a goal for yourself as far as I will not stop until this point. Oh, yeah. Um, I said a calendar year, and then I'll reassess. 
And, you know, there's been times this year where I said, hey, this fucking sucks. I've gone up, you know, 15 times in a row and only my old material worked or I got crickets or people were just genuinely not happy with me. Yeah. And you say to yourself, maybe this isn't for me. And it's like, well, wait, you know, you have that initial jump where anything's good, right? Mm -hmm. You're getting on stage and you're just happy that you've made it five minutes. And then after that, you start analyzing yourself saying, I got to be getting laughs. I got to be really good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people dip and say, oh, shit, like, maybe yeah. this isn't for me. It's like, no, the best way to go around is through. You got to just keep trucking through it until you start getting those laughs again. The quickest way through hell is straight through. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you said a year because I literally have told people it's like as soon as the day I got on stage, I was like, wow, this is it. Because I spent months literally going over jokes and rewriting and rewriting. And what what I didn't know is until I get on that stage, none of my jokes really matter unless I test them out in front of the crowd. Because what is funny in those jokes at the time is only to me. You know, like, yes. And until you make a joke public, you really don't know, you know, like, I think you, you get so the, the, the image is so clear to you because it's in your head, right? Oh, yeah. the, the image of what the joke is and why it's funny is clear. Mm -hmm. And then you're sitting there going, I'm going to mask it mm -hmm. so people don't see it coming. Yeah. I'm going to be <laughs> Jezelnik. I'm going to get them. Oh my God. They're going to go. Oh, uh, and then you mask it so well that people don't understand the joke, whether it's the premise or the punchline, they're not putting it together of what mm -hmm. you imagined. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're on stage and you're like, you're welcome. I just gave you this gift of God joke that's gonna make you, you know, die laughing. It, you know, it's like the Monty Python sketch where they invent the joke that it's so funny it kills people. <laughs> and then you let it release and there's nothing. Oh, there's yeah. just silence and people are it's the painful world. silence I like silence more than you can you can tell when like it's usually a host yeah is giving you the pity laugh yeah <laughs> and you're like I would rather you stared at me in mm -hmm. silence or even told me get off the stage rather than like ah you'll get it you'll get it eventually <laughs> well that's the scary thing because it's like the I think the loudest thing in the room is always the silence uh, you know like and I've learned that, like, the silence is actually, like, because it's painful when you get it. Like, it is painful, but what, what that is is that's a teaching moment, you know, for me. Because if I'm going up and I'm getting, I'm just crushing every night, I'm really not learning much. And if I'm going up with new material consistently and I'm going up and I'm getting silence at this one, I'm getting laughs at the next one, I'm getting silence at this one, I'm getting laughs at the next one more and more the more and more i i tried these bits is the hey well i've gotten laughs 15 percent of the time it's time to move on from this one you know yes and I, I will say there is something to a good silence when you really like if uh -huh. you go to a mic and or even a show mm -hmm. and people are not laughing they're not giving it up for a good joke. Yeah. And they are giving it up for not good jokes, right? So they hear, like, a really well-crafted joke about how, let's say, someone got bullied in, you know, high school or something. It's a really beautifully crafted bit. Mm -hmm. They don't laugh. For whatever reason, maybe they weren't listening or it's been presented by someone they don't like um, from just visuals, not because they don't yeah. like them from the performance. And then someone goes up and they do very bad material, and the audience laughs. That frustrates me. 
when you hear someone oh, yeah. say, I've, I've been to those mics. Yeah. You hear someone <laughs> say like, you know, I, um, you know, I was gay once and then everyone just claps and it's like, uh, you know, they didn't get to the punchline yet. You're just clapping and laughing for this one little stupid line. I actually like sometimes to go up on stage and I'll do my my worst material and I'll just sit in the silence and stare at them. And it, <laughs> like, it, it does feel fun because eventually they start laughing because they're uncomfortable. And that's, oh, it feels nice. I remember uh, I was trying to prepare for a, a show. It was like my second show, so I was like all nervous about it. And I remember I went to this new mic, and I won't name it, by like this open mic, I won't name it. I'll, I'll tell you off camera. But, um, you know, I was, I was so nervous. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to a new spot, and I'm just going to bring my best material that I'm going to do at the show the next day. And I'm just bringing my A, my a game. You know, like this is my best five minutes I got. And I walk in. And uh, I'm like, wow, these people do not look too nice. You know, I'm going around trying to shake hands, meet people. And I wasn't getting the best feedback. I was like, this is either going to be great or uh, this is going to be rough. And as soon as I stepped on stage and I completed my first joke, and one of the people in the crowd started trying to openly argue with me while I was in the middle of my set, I was like, this is going bad. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. That's a tough. I, my yeah. second time mm -hmm. ever performing comedy, I did one open mic. Okay, so here we go. I did one open mic about three years ago. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to get fucking famous. Here's my notebook <laughs> full of jokes. They weren't jokes. It was just like a story that I rambled on about. Oh. I go on stage there. and Been I there. try a joke about, I was just trying to shock the audience. And I tried to joke about how my grandma committed suicide um, because when she was on life support, we took her arm and placed her hand on the cord and then made her pull it out. And it, yes. Is that a real thing? No, no. My grandma died two years ago. Very happily, blissfully ignorant. Alzheimer's <laughs> out the wazoo and just, you know, I don't know what she was thinking about, but she, she died. And so anyway, um, I tried this joke, and no, I mean, there were two people in the audience. They both just stared at me. Yeah. I walked off stage. I swore off comedy. Didn't do it for two more years. I come back. I try. I go to this place. Um, I'll get. I'll tell you after the yeah the set. Very uh, older audience, probably uh, middle aged audience. Yeah. My first joke was, um, uh, I like eggs. I'd have them every day if I could but my girlfriend's only on her period once a month. <laughs> and I, oh. I'm going to tell you, I, they all stare. Uh, first of all, I think the women were just like, oh, we're in menopause. Like, we don't resonate with that anymore. Like, fuck you. Oh, there it is. Oh, you're going to remind me of that? Like, you stupid piece of shit, man. But uh. it was, I tried five minutes of material, and I got zero laughs. And I walked off stage, and that was the first time I thought, I like these jokes. Those people were yeah, and that was that was probably the most empowering thing that could have happened. Because then I got I got used to silence. Uh, well, that that's the strange thing for me. Like, um, like when I know I'm bringing up a material that have gotten you know ninety percent and above laugh laugh rates, and I'm going up and like I, I did I did um, I did one open mic last night, then I did another, and I went in, and I, just, I did the same bit at 
uh, same bits at the first mic and the second mic. And I, I, I was getting tons of laugh at the first one. Then the second one uh, ended up being like really weird vibe. And I got like little laughs and like the little laughs were coming from supporters. And it almost felt like there was, this will happen by the way. It almost felt like there was like a gang of comics that are against you because they're all buddies and they're all, and and they're like, you can't be funny because that means I'm not funny. Yeah. It it feels like they, they've, there's like a lot of comics who make it feel like there's a very finite amount of laughs. And if I laugh for you, that means there's less laughs that can be given to me. (laughs) And it's just not true. It's just not true. But I, I will say, you never know what open micers are thinking yeah. so you could be you could be on stage saying wow no one liked my jokes and they could be thinking yeah. oh gosh I'm, I'm really stressed about this show I have tomorrow night 100% what am I going to say on stage yeah. what am I even listening to mm-hmm. but they're looking at you because comics are very used to like paying you know, looking like they're paying attention in class yeah. and not fucking listening to a single thing a teacher's yeah. saying so like everyone in comedy is used to like pretending they're they're looking at you. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be yeah. really clear to you guys, though. If you're interested in starting comedy, just know that open mics all suck. Like, they all suck. I mean, sometimes you'll do good, but it's not a crowd. It's not a real crowd. You can, you can find yeah. open mics that are supportive and they're yeah. really good and they're not bullshit supportive. They're not like, yeah. oh, yay, you, yeah. you got on stage and mm-hmm. you said words. Like, it's mm-hmm. we laugh at good jokes and we don't laugh at bad jokes. And that's just mm-hmm. as important. Yeah. But I will say, um, I have had some fantastic times. There's an open mic in New York. Um, it moved recently, but it used to be at this place called Cellar. Am I out of shot? You there are. We now you're there we go. I didn't know yeah. I could move this mic. That's yeah. that's how conformist I am these days. I just, <laughs> I just sit wherever you put me. And then, mm-hmm. But uh, there's an open mic. It used to be at Cellar 77. I don't know where it is now. Mm-hmm. But it's called the Heckle Mic. So, so you've done open mics in New York. Yeah, I, oh. I'm. I have no experience in New York, and I, I do on the podcast. I have. You haven't. The episodes haven't come out yet, but I do exclaim with no knowledge how LA is so much better. Than New really? York. Yeah, I always oh, say I'm like, oh, go no. LA. No. We're the best. I'm still sticking no. to it, baby. Are you, well, you're you're an Ohio boy. Are yeah, you, but. I've I've uh, I've been to New York like once, you know, in my life. Oh yeah, that's enough experience yeah. to tell. Oh yeah, hey, no, let's go LA. Once. I never did any I love comedy it. there. Let me tell you which one's better. Yeah, there you go. Where the sunshine is, baby. You're, you're like these people nowadays who are saying like, oh, socialism is the way to go, and they didn't even whoa, live through whoa, the Cold War. Well, oh, I've been there oh, once. Let's do it. You know, hey, one thing. Cold War. One thing I do have oh, to say. New York. One thing I do have to say. <laughs> the Cold War. <laughs> One thing I do have to say is Chinatown was awesome in New York. I appreciated that. You're basing your knowledge of New York on a movie made in like the 80s? No, the actual Chinatown in New York. Oh, oh, have you I been thought there? you meant the Jack Nicholson movie. No, no, I, I don't, I'm unfamiliar with that movie. I don't even know if it's based but in New York. One thing, yeah, I did, I loved Chinatown because it was like, it was the. Is that like where you, you bought your wedding ring? Uh, no, I bought it at. Some place in the mall, <laughs> the cheap place in the mall, but uh, I uh, in Chinatown you always see it depicted in movies. It's like this real authentic, like almost like taken out of China and put into like a big city. And like you go to like I don't know Little Tokyo here in LA, or you go to Chinatown, 
And it's just not that. I mean, it's kind of decorated in that fashion, but it's just not that. But I went to Chinatown, New York City, and it was the real deal, baby. And I, I was just like, so, I was just like, wow, this is so cool. I love, I love Chinatown. I, I grew mm-hmm. up around New York. I've always lived near okay. New York. Um, born in New Jersey, lived in Connecticut, moved to Manhattan. I hit douchebag trifecta. Um, the triangle, baby. And yeah, 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 the douchebag triangle. And Canal Street in Chinatown, you can get anything. I remember mm-hmm. um, in N-Words in Paris, we'll go with. Um, <laughs> Kanye, yeah, what's up? There's a there's a line by... Big follower of the show, by the way. Oh, yeah? No. Yeah, Kanye's <laughs> my favorite, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. hate Pete Davidson, I guess. I don't Dude. Pete had a great run there of, he went from Cassie David, Larry David's mm, daughter, yeah. to Kate Beckinsale, no, to Ariana Grande, yeah. to Kate Beckinsale. He just kept getting older and older and older. You know, now he, he did Kim Kardashian, so now he needs someone in like their, he's going to get Laura Dern next. That would be sick. And then, you know, I, I would have said Betty White, she's out of the picture. I mean, who, the queen? That's about as high status as you can get nowadays. <laughs> he went from Kim Kardashian, how much higher status can you go? Oh, um. I think he's the, going for the Queen of England. I was about to say, we just got to keep watching, Pete. You know, we're watching you, bud, and we're proud of you. Yeah, he's, he's an, an icon, a model of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so... What do you I, think of a stand-up? Of Pete's stand-up? Yeah. I feel the same way. I, I actually... <laughs> I feel the same way. I, I like that he's authentic. He talks about yeah. his dad dying in 9-11, and he talks about... His spats in rehab and stuff like that, and so it's yeah. it's, it's real stuff. Um, it's just not real funny. Uh, yeah, I well, I also tend to like goofier, sillier stuff. Yeah. Um, or or things that are more abstract. Like I like, you know, hearing personal stories, but I'm a big fan of, you know, um, the two sides of the coin. I think that's where comedy has gone these days, which yeah. is in the '70s, '80s. You know, before that, in the 50s, 60s, everyone was doing, you know, my father's a farmer jokes, right? Just these made up, like, farmer's daughter, oh, my yeah. my, my wife is a battle axe, kind of Norm mcdonald before Norm-style jokes. <laughs> and then they went into, like, Steve Martin and, you know, those guys where it was these, like, really hilarious characters. Yeah. And then we flipped completely back the other way, which was, you know, you get into, like, Dice Clay and in the 90s, you get even, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Margaret Show and... and Elaine Boozler and, and all those people who they were pushing the envelope and saying things you couldn't say, right? Yeah. I mean, even George Carlin, you know, the seven words you can't say on TV. Um, and the whole thing was all about saying things you weren't allowed to say in media. And now I feel like we're hitting the opposite, which is we've said everything you can say. <laughs> we've, we've seen... We've passed that, yeah, that milestone. Like, we've heard Jeselnik go on stage and say, you know, oh, uh, what do you call it when a woman gets hit by a train? A uh, pregnant woman gets hit by a train. A gender reveal. Like we've heard these disgustingly hilarious, yeah. gross things. You can't really shock anyone nowadays uh, unless it's just genuinely terrifying. Uh, I, I so, was going to say I've heard some open micers shock uh, shock yeah, a few I've, people. I heard an open micer. He walked in. His first words were, um, "I'm going to see. Uh, let's see which of my dead baby jokes works the best." And he tried ten minutes of dead baby jokes. It was the ten minute open mic. It was it was a five minute, but everyone was too afraid to like take him off. We thought he was going to shoot us after. Oh, dude! Um, we talked about some of those open micers on a pre- the previous podcast, 
And I'll tell you what, it is a real thing, and it's a real scary thing when you have to deal I with I thought Sam guys. was going to shoot people when I first met him. Because <laughs> he's so... He has, he has the mustache. He has that, like, that, that beanie hat. You know, he mm-hmm. kind of looks like what I'd imagine um, uh, the D.B. Like Cooper. You ever seen those pictures? D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. That's, uh, I... He, like, hijacked a plane. And, and he's out in Oregon. Out. Yeah, he looks like... The, you know what he looks like is... Have you ever watched Mindhunter? Mindhunter. Uh, the... It, that's the show that uh, the guy shotguns his face in, like, the first episode. I don't remember the first episode. It was Netflix, like, made a show... About the FBI? About... CIA? About the FBI mm-hmm. hunting serial killers. It was, like, right when they first found out... A, like, yeah, before yeah. the word serial yeah, killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a guy they follow in the beginning of each episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like a guy like on the track to become a serial killer. And Sam, I think, looks exactly like that guy. <laughs> so every time I see Sam, I'm, he is genuinely one of the funniest people he, I've ever met. But I do have a moment of... Yeah, I mean, like, Sam's a... Uh, he, he's, he's special to me. Uh, I've always thought he was funny, but um, just the way he carries himself is... It's almost hysterical in, in just that sense. Like when he's on stage and he's like, I, I loved when he used to carry around his notebook on stage too. The creatine he, jokes notebook? <laughs> and, he, and he would hold, hold out this notebook like this, like almost like he was reading Shakespeare. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, great, there's a great comic out there. He deserves more recognition than he's getting named uh, Callahan Welsh. He's, he's LA based, he's from mm-hmm. Hawaii. And he's like all avant-garde, kind of like silly. And that's where I was going with my little rant was from, um, you know, that whole we can say whatever we want vibe. Mm -hmm. I think now we're transitioning into, back into like two sects of comedy, which is the silly. And the clean. And the, not even clean, and the back to the New York style, a guy stands there, he takes the performance aspect out of it. And he just tells you jokes. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I, I believe you are actually a good hybrid of, of both of that. Oh, stop it. Yeah, you are a hybrid. I, I, I feel like uh, I'm more of a, just a joke teller. Yeah. Um, that's that's more of my my spiel. And um, it, it's honestly, I I love the the fact that like we're still so new. We have no idea where our whole act is going. You know, that's the beautiful thing about comedy is like until like who knows what Louis C.K. looked like 25 years ago. Yeah. You know, like when he got started, who knows what Tom Segura was doing. You can see at open mics in L.A. You can see Louis from back in the day. Even 20 years ago, he was a old style comedian. He got up there and he just told you his jokes. He presented them as he didn't have any shtick to it. He didn't do like the whole bumbling, like my life's falling apart thing. Yeah. He literally just said like, you know, Oh, uh, this is, this is a joke about sex with this person. And And you can see his transformation into that viral clip that he had that made him really famous Yeah, about like, if if you don't know it, look it up. It's, uh, he was on Conan and he was doing a whole bit about everything's great and no one's happy. <laughs> and that's what like launched him into the superstardom. Yeah. Was his like new shtick about I'm this guy whose life is falling apart. And it was relatable and it was it was it's he's cerebral, he's very smart. Um he's one of the greatest 
comics ever. He oh, he's hilarious. He masturbated in front he's of creepy. Yeah, he's yeah. creepy. Um, that's what I was about to uh, ask you. Want to you masturbate about. in front of someone? Find a mirror, Louis. That's, that's the secret. Louis, Find we love you. Yeah, we love you. Um, little creepy though. Little creepy for us. But hey, dude, I feel like we all have a weird side to us. He just wanted to do that in front of someone. I apparent. I don't know. I don't. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Would have loved to be there. Yeah, uh, you to, would love to. It would have been, been so funny, dude. Watching Louis masturbate. Uh, honestly, if he was like, "Hey, come watch me," that I'd be like, "Whoa!" Look, if you wanted to see a Jew sweat, uh, just come over to my house and <laughs> my dad would work out. Uh, did, I don't. I don't know that. Does your dad stay fit? Is he a fit dad? Yeah, yeah. He's like. 62. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. He's doing well. Um, none of my family has good genes. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm the best possible outcome from them. So I, you got the olive skin. Yeah. Yeah. I lucked out. I have hair. It's curly. I have, uh, I wish my hair, I I got curly hair when I grow it out, but every time, no, please talk about yourself. I I just wanted to get through my own. Oh, okay. 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 You know, I was starting to actually love myself. Just genetic superstar. Tyler. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, that works though. Thin dude. legs. I, I I have very thin calves. I, I've always had them like that. I I used to wrestle. Our one hundred and three mm-hmm. pounder made fun of me for how big my legs were. Mm-hmm. And this this guy was you know a senior at one hundred and three pounds. So that gives you an idea of how skinny my legs are. And <laughs> I remember I complained about it. I was I was at my grandma's house. And I was like, ah, oh, my my legs. I worked them out like crazy. I can't get them big. Mm-hmm. My grandma walks by and she was just like, that's my side of the family. You're welcome. Thanks, Grandma. Thanks, Grandma. Yeah. So, you know, she died recently, so that's a plus. But um, <laughs> I was going to say, we, we spoke about this. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Uh, I was looking down. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've always been really sensitive about my legs. And it turns out uh, Strauss is German for ostrich. Ostrich? Really? So I'm actually living up to my name. Well, if it came from your grandma's side... Um, was that your your dad's grandma? Or dad's, dad's mom? mom. Yeah, that dad's makes mom. sense. The 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 ostrich family. I yeah. love it, dude. My grandpa was so fat, his back would touch the wall, his stomach would touch the kitchen table, and he would chain smoke cigarettes until uh, <laughs> it was time to go eat. Where I remember he, he would uh, mm-hmm. whenever he went to a restaurant, he would order only appetizers. He would eat as fast as he could, and then he would stand up and go, "Okay, I'm done. Let's go." And he and my grandma would just leave the restaurant. Really? Yeah. He was a man of few few desires. He wanted to eat. He wanted to smoke. And uh, and that was about it. How, how did he pass? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, he died. He lasted long for my family. He died in like '04, I would think. How old was he? Uh, probably sixty something. Sixty. Five, I would think 66 looked like he was eight. he was about 5'6 mm-hmm. um, he owned a chocolate factory at one point he made dude my dad you are the genetic free. superstar if he was 5'6 and huge my dad and I are the same height uh-huh. the next tallest person is 5'6 um, my mom's family they are um, short and stocky grandpa was All right. 300 pounds and 5'4 <laughs> Solomon Rabinovich yeah, leader of the That's Jewish mafia in Canada. Yeah. Um, the Jewish fact, mafia in Canada? Yeah, Jewish mob. Wow. Out in uh, Montreal. But fun fact, uh-huh. my great-grandfather on my dad's side 
Reinhold Strauss is the only man to be banned from uh, international soccer play for kicking someone in the balls. Old Reinhold, dude. Yeah. Reinhold kicked a Frenchman in the balls in 1932. Cheeky bastard, dude. Cheeky shit. Yeah, you'd, you'd think. Trying to prevent the French from having children, you'd think that Hitler would have loved him, but no. So you, you seem to me more of a soccer player than a wrestler. Is that the hair? I, I think it's probably the, you look like you could run. I seem kind of gay. Is um, that what it is? Yes. <laughs> no, it you just, you, you got a, a thin body type that you look like you can run. You look like you're good at long distance. Yeah, I like running. I, I go like, I go for a couple miles every day. It's, it's a good, mm-hmm. it's a good thing, but I had this So I nailed it, is what you're saying. Kind of. <laughs> I have a very weird way of running. I run like a duck. Like I run kind of like oh, side to side. Oh. Um, like if, if anyone's ever seen, it's a deep cut, but if you've ever seen Blue Mountain <laughs> State, the Oreo running scene. I don't remember the Oreo running scene. They put an Oreo between their butt cheeks, and they have to run to the end of the football field. <laughs> and if they drop the uh, Oreo, they have to eat it. Dude, what, what an amazing character. Sammy Cacciatore, yeah. who wrote the show, phenomenal yeah. um, writer, he runs kind of like this the whole time, and that's genuinely how I, how I run. I run very <laughs> goofy, and it's, it's, a, it's a sight to see. Dude, I, I, I got to check it out one of these. <laughs> yeah, you want to watch me run? Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? I'm just watching this dude run. Yeah, I'm just Actually, All right, guys, and we're back from commercial break. Sorry about that ab- ab- abrupt break there, bud. But uh, now we're back. Pretty cool merch line, though, right? Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> it's fucking, Definitely gonna It's awesome. Buy whatever it was people saw. Yeah, those sweatshirts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, I know off off camera though, we were we we're speaking a little bit about. Uh, current sports and whatnot and you you were talking a little bit about something you got into over uh the pandemic yeah yeah so i don't know if, if people can empathize with this but i uh I, i'm a very big gambler uh, <laughs> they very can definitely empathize that it's a good habit to have when you have no money it's it's a great yeah you know stand up pays yeah. big bucks able to spend all the dollar on sports but yeah so i was trying to gamble and the only sports they had were like axe throwing and uh, cornhole and like uh, underwater floor hockey or something. And so <laughs> I started looking into these absurd sports and I found one. It was uh, chess boxing. So oh. chess boxing is this f- fantastic sport. This mic keeps falling. That uh, <laughs> it combines chess and boxing. What you do is you do exactly what uh, it's, it's, it sounds like yeah it's, it's a real <laughs> clear it's for a lot of the boxing fans i think to make sure they get the gist of it but it's two minutes of speed chess and then a round of boxing and you go back and forth until you get a knockout or a checkmate there um, we go and it's it's fantastic it it essentially it seems like the chess community was like hey we need to get more viewers um what should we do and they were like i got it 
this is how we're gonna improve chess. We're gonna just show people less chess. <laughs> that was a solution hey, and it worked. It works. <laughs> um, it's, and what's great is like the commentators clearly only played one of the sports. Yes. Um, if you can call chess that. So the chess commentators will be looking at boxing and just be like, all right, and there's a, a right jab and a left jab. And oh, they're doing really well. It's a, a beautiful dance of two phoenixes as they march around the ring. <laughs> just beautifully trying to figure out each other. And then you see the boxing commentators just trying to get into the chest, and they're just like, oh yeah! And there's the horsey, he's going up left! <laughs> it, it's just phenomenal. And what they do is, um, after the two minutes of chess, they'll hit the, the or sorry, the after the round of boxing, they'll hit the bell, and the boxers will go to their corners, and then these two people will just run on with the chessboard and just put it in the middle of the ring. And then the boxers just put on their their headsets so they can kind of like focus and they sit down and they play the chess. And it's just... So it's almost like when they're supposed to be in their corners getting a break and getting like the water and all that. Instead of going to their corners, they're going to the center and yes. playing chess. Yeah, you can look at it. <laughs> you can almost look at it as like they're warming up for chess by beating the shit out of each other. Oh, uh, dude. CTE or like... Sp- Chess with a side of CTE. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like all perfect. Good sports. Yeah, yeah. It, it just peppered in some CTE. Mm-hmm. It was like the chess community said, you know, we can make the, the the game harder or the players dumber, and it seemed a lot easier to, to do both. To do both, man. I would love to just. I feel like I'm an okay chess player, and I feel like I'd be just good enough to be enough of a chess player for chess boxing. I don't know if I could do the boxing part. That's the part I have mm-hmm. a, a problem. So if you're a boxer and you think you can learn the basics of chess, oh, that is the way to go. We got money on you is what we're saying. Oh, yeah. Okay, we oh, got money on you. I lost he, so much money on chess boxing. Did, how did you pick the guys? Like You're like, oh, he looks studly. He's kind of muscular. I picked them based on how Russian their names sounded. I was about to say, they're I all just, Russian. I figured the yeah. Russians would know chess. Uh, the Queen's Gambit was pretty big at the time. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, was, this was, was right when that chill, came out. Yeah. And the Russians seemed to be like a factory of chess players. They still are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, Russians also sound... Very frightening. So I figured they were just really good at both beating the shit out of people. Because, like, what is it? Khabib used to, like, wrestle bears, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, best practice. You know, I feel like on your way to chess practice, you know, Russian police pulled you over and you got into a fist fight or something. Then so, did chess. I don't know. They must have had some skill at both more than an American, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 90-pound on, you know, a six foot, ninety pound guy <laughs> who's never seen a weight in his life. So who's been practicing so, chess his entire life? Brooke Gavinovich yeah. is who you were. That, that you're like ship it. Yeah, like, that dude. He, you know, I, I'd much rather. <laughs> he suffered through hard winters, getting beaten by not only his father but by the outside. Oh, hundred percent. Right? I'd much rather box against like Steve Urkel <laughs> yeah. than have to play chess. Against you know uh, Ivan Drago, like yes. that is that is my mm-hmm. uh, you do you know Ivan Drago, um, Dolph Lundgren is Dolph like a, Lundgren. Uh, he's like a, a genius. Have you seen that? I have not. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because he has like PhDs from 
God knows, MIT or something. I don't really? Know. That's that comes out of left field. Yeah, it really does. Um, what was I going to mention? Using a baseball reference about a boxing movie. That's, that's <laughs> real quality stuff. Yeah, that's that's how we do it here at the Paul Jacoby Podcast, guys. Yeah. We do it loud. We do it proud. Yeah, we, nothing we, says Rocky with, like touchdown. With a boatload of CTE in the mix. And I got mine playing football. Speaking of football, do you have an NFL team that you follow? You know, with the football season coming up, go Buckeyes. Woo! Nice segue. Yeah, I, I follow the New York Giants. Um, God bless them. You know, hopefully. I feel like they're – the Giants are kind of like, you know, I want to think um, post-World War II Germany. You know? Okay. They've been stripped of everything that made them them. Um, they, they've got nothing. They're just absolutely beating the crap out of – but they're making a slow rebuild, and then after a little while, they're going to become the dominant team – on the East Coast again. Uh, it sounds like a game plan. You know, that definitely sounds like a game plan. I uh, I don't know how much faith I have in Danny Dimes, but uh, what I can tell you is um, I did not do well with him in fantasy last year. <laughs> that's that's for sure. You know, he let me down time and time again. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, but that, I, that's how it is, man. That man is... Did you see him fall last year? Oh, on the 15-yard line? He was, he was <laughs> yeah. sprinting and fell over. Dude, I, uh, honestly, I, I was just happy a fellow white uh, could sprint that far without being tackled. You know, he took himself out. I'm okay with that, dude. You know, we never see a white guy run that far without being tackled. Yeah. I didn't know where you're going to go with that. I just that's, heard fellow white from what looks like just a grass-fed human being. Dude, that's, that's Danny you, you Dimes. You look like, I feel like if Shane Gillis was slightly more educated. I take that as a huge compliment. Thank you for that. Yeah. I, uh, I've been around, or I've, I've shown up to places here in L.A., and I've been nicknamed corn-fed in few parts. Not a compliment. I take it as a compliment. Because they're like, oh, that's a big Nebraska boy. And, uh, yeah, I'll take it, dude. I'll take it. You know, there's something to be said about those Midwest states. I love the fact that it's just kind of like, hey, you're still, you got to just work at it. You know, on the East Coast, it's such a, oh, you know, you're perfect just the way you are. And I feel like those Midwest states, it's like, no, fucking improve. Yeah. Work hard. I was about to say, there's some hard work and folk there. Uh, yeah. It's weird. Everyone I run into that comes from the area where I grew up around, like, the Great Lakes and whatnot, they'll, they'll be like, yeah, the, the people are great. And what they mean by that is the weather sucks and uh, it's flat. Did you, did you it's know mainly flat. If you took the bottom third of Iowa mm-hmm. and you put it in Missouri, like the bottom third scoring um, students and put them in Missouri – the SAT scores for both states will go up. That doesn't surprise me. Missouri's dumb as shit. <laughs> yeah, that does not surprise They've me. They've got this city that's, like, not in their city. In t- that is the dumbest. Kansas City is the dumbest fucking thing on the face. They have the, – the city is divided in half, and all they do is every time one state lowers the taxes, or I guess one half of the city because they, they can't operate under one town council or whatever. Yeah. All the companies move their headquarters across the state lines, and then they wait for the other state to just reduce taxes again, and they move back across. 
And it's like... Hey, there's some thinkers there. Yeah, but who the <laughs> fuck thought that was a good idea? Like, oh, we'll just learn to live with each other. It's the dumbest idea on earth. Well, I, I know, you know, I have, I have um, a mentor that lived right across the border uh, of, in Kansas from Kansas City. And I know that, like, people that do that, there's a, there's a huge, like, population right outside of this Missouri, the state, in Kansas, just based around Kansas City. And it's, it's uh, I remember one of the suburbs is, like, always ranked as, like, the highest one. So there is some thinkers right outside of Missouri, I, I can I mean, tell I you that much. I don't doubt there's people in Missouri <laughs> that can think. Yeah. I just don't think there's many i, I also <laughs> i i just think it's that, definitely like, meth it oh oh meth big do you know you can't say uh the word meth without teeth there you go in fact yeah. yeah um but i i That's always right. found it hilarious Crystal. yeah <laughs> that i think in iowa the top three exports are corn pigs and meth there you go guys i was the face of of meth. the no, the face in the states, right? The face. You know what I'm talking about. With, oh, you mean yeah. you mean like Mimal or whatever it is, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri. Yeah. Right down the, the, the Mississippi. Arkansas. Um, Arkansas, right? Above Louisiana? I, yeah, I think it's Arkansas. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what the fuck you were saying. Like, oh, I'm the face <laughs> the of... Boot, the boot like, hat what? guy. Yeah. yeah, corn, sunscreen, yeah. diabetes. What are you talking about? All of it, actually. That um, works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that America can claim all those wonderful traits. Dude, that's number one, baby. We're number one for a reason. I, I believe it's... a lot of freckles. Dude, I'm, I'm actually a two-tone cat. You're spotted, yeah. So, you know, when I... Boom, boom. Hopefully we don't have any guys like... Uh, what what's that uh, one disease where it it's like, like you can't Pollard see? Just had diarrhea one day and he decided to make a painting. I'll take that as another compliment, dude. I you know corn fed Jackson Pollock painting. What he's trying to say, guys? Am I? I'm a Midwestern beauty. Oh no, you're definitely a Midwestern <laughs> eleven. Yeah, Midwestern eleven, thick boy coming at you, dude. They're like this dude will survive a winter. That's why. <laughs> okay, okay, I don't understand i have friends who are like apocalypse preppers yes you know you know like doomsday preppers a lot of utah guys there why i think it's the stupidest thing on earth to be like a doomsday prepper why would you want to survive i'd rather the die apocalypse? what yeah. mad max book of eli you know uh, uh zombie land movie did you see where you say to yourself "Ooh, that's the future ooh, i want I'm going to be the one to survive that. I'm going to be the fastest fat kid. I'm going to have the nicest tent in, in Skid Row. Like, you're yeah. essentially just saying, I am going to survive this shit out of hell. And the only purpose of living after that would be surviving. Oh. You just work to survive. Dude, it's the st I would rather die in a place that looks like L.A. than live in a place that looks like downtown L.A. <laughs> it is the dumbest fucking thing on the face of the earth. And plus, like, I love it when people get into the whole, the only one who can survive, uh -huh. the only one who can survive is climate change. If if you're alive after, like, everything's a desert, fine. But if there's a zombie apocalypse, if there's, like, the, the dinosaurs come back to life. The, the meteor. Or, or the meteor hits again. Done. Or, like, the volcanoes all erupt. Or, like, you know, um, I don't know, Scientology is fucking real. And, like, the aliens are going to come get us. You're, you're not going to survive an alien. You're not going to survive a zombie. 
the only place you could survive zombies is Louisiana because at least there the zombies won't have any teeth. Well, the crazy thing about that, too, is like even if you prep for like doomsday or whatever, the only people that are really making it after like all all your electricity's out, everything's out, it's like it's like the people that are still surviving and thriving in the Amazon. Oh, you know, like one hundred percent. Like it's only people that are like so native to Mother Nature and like so out of society that really have a shot because Dude, they live off the land. That's the least yeah. believable part of any of those Mad Max movies is you've got these like beautiful people that are still there. You think sunscreen is still around in Mad Max Fury time. Road? I you hope. think that like yeah, <laughs> you think skincare and like contacts are good? The blind are gonna be the first to die. Yeah, and there's Dude, gonna be no teeth. Anyone who would have been sacrificed in Sparta upon birth is gonna die immediately. All of these <laughs> ableist people out there, oh no 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 like we have to you know get to ev- the minute that happens, anyone who needs contacts, anyone who's Irish, anyone who, 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 you know, if you're diabetic, there's no Milky Ways in the post-apocalyptic world. Maybe there's Twinkies. Diabetes that. 1 is going to fall out so I quickly. don't know the difference. Yeah. I do not know the difference between Diabetes 1 and Diabetes 2. All I know, I know is Luke, Luke Walls has won. Luke and Walls has he won. says two are people that it's like... You did it to yourself, is what he said. That's like the, you ate too many donuts. You're too big, yeah. Okay. So, Luke, it's pretty much... uh, So that's the one that runs in my family. Yeah. It's like, that's something you're born with, and diabetes, too, is something that you develop. Like being gay. Um, So that would be one. Okay. I think, I don't know how, I, I don't know the science behind gayness. Uh, but we do, as you can see, tried, it's it a spectrum. It didn't take. It didn't, it didn't take. take. No. Was, I, uh, was that college? It was college. I Okay, so I grew up in this small farm town mm-hmm. in Connecticut. And all I knew was um, all these other guys, you know, whether it was a football team or something, they knew beyond, uh, uh, what's the word, beyond like, um, whatever the fuck. They knew in their heart that, ugh, men are disgusting. Oh, dicks are gross. Oh, you like cock. You're gay. And I was sitting there just like, I mean, I don't hate it. Like, I don't find it attractive, but I'm not waking up every day going like, ah! I don't look in the mirror and say like, oh, penis. And so I I was like, maybe I'm gay. And so I went to college. And I remember I, I... you know, thought about it being, you know, trying it out. I thought about trying it out. And then one night I, I, I blacked out and I woke up in bed with a married couple. Really? And yeah. Yeah. I woke up facing the guy. I woke up facing uh, Eduardo. He's a good dude. And <laughs> Eduardo? It was, it was weird. It was weird. And then I rolled over. Where'd you go to college? You Miami. You might. Oh, I, okay. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, that, I, that checks out. I woke up facing Eduardo and I, I rolled over because I, you know, it, was, it felt awkward. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, it was a lot weirder facing the other guy. It was, it was a lot. It was two guys. Uh-huh. Um, truth be told. So it was a being, Tyler sandwich. If we're being, I, oh, it was an Oreo. I was the cream filling. Got the cream filling. Very nice. I, uh, I'll be honest. I. Well, if you were blacked out, how do you know you, you, you did not like it? Truth be told, I never blacked out. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's I the farmer boy still version. still a part yeah. of me that's trying to like hide uh-huh. this, even though I'm talking about it. I, um... I do remember that 
the next day, um, uh, the guy year guy, like Fabio, his name was legit, it may have been a made up name, but he told me his name was Fabio. Mm -hmm. Um, he drove me home to U Miami's campus. And when we were right, right near campus, he said, uh, oh, how old are you? I was like, I'm 18. And he goes, oh, dodged a bullet there, didn't we? I was just like, oh, Whoa. God. How often do you do this? Yeah. How many bullets have you dodged? And I was about like, to say, it sounds like he probably was more like 50 Cent and got shot nine times. You know, 50 Cent used to live in my town in Connecticut. Really? In Farmington, Connecticut. And Farmington, it Connecticut. It wasn't a nice town. I mean, it's a nice town, but it wasn't like... I thought he was from Brooklyn. He's from Queens. Queens. Copy. Um, Sorry, but, 50. But he made it. And then what happened was my town was this like... It's a nice suburb. Mm -hmm. You have homes that are like a million dollars here. And, yeah. You know, it, that was like the higher end. Um, but then Mike Tyson built this home, it, it, like a $17 million house, for no reason. Yeah. Five pools, two ballrooms, a, a strip oh. club or something. And Mike Tyson went bankrupt, and Fiddy Cent bought the house. And so Fiddy moved in. And um, apparently there's a story about how, like, you know, no one in Connecticut knows rap. You know, they all know uh, yeah. country. It's actually the country state. <laughs> and... Fitty Cent went for a run and he went to the Starbucks and apparently like he had a bodyguard with him. Some like old Jewish guy from my town walked up to him mm -hmm. and just says, none of us know who you are. You don't need a bodyguard. And his like kid explained to him like, oh no, he's been shot like nine times. He probably needs one. <laughs> yeah. But it was the most like this guy moved Listen, in there. okay. He is one that needs the bodyguard. He moved into the town basically thinking like, you know, I've made my riches. I've, you know, I'm going to be recognized. I'm going to be like vitamin water. Stuff. It's great. Yep. No, no, no one there knew who he was. They just knew that. Except they, for you. No one, none of them are going to shoot party him. in the club. Yeah. Mama got what you need. Number one bar mitzvah song. Really? Candy shop in the club. Yeah. That was that in gold digger. Great. Ooh. It was nothing was better than <laughs> having a bar mitzvah and seeing all the parents get really uncomfortable when they realize their 12 year olds are dancing to you know, like the lollipop. My favorite thing, have you seen the Curb Your Enthusiasm where, uh, um, it's not Larry, um, who, who's the guy that lives with Larry? Uh, Leon? Lee, yeah, Leon. J.B. Smooth? Try, yeah, tries to tell um, Kramer. Uh, Kramer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you gotta re, re he's, up he's, the spot. He's trying to uh, <laughs> bullshit being Jewish. Yeah. and Three times. Yeah, they say uh, uh, Michael Richards, uh, who plays yeah. Kramer, is like, oh, uh, you, you got our mitzvah? And he's like, oh, yeah, three times. Yeah. You, you did what? I got to read? Well, you know, actually, I is got our mitzvah last year. I'm really? 28. I got bar mitzvah at 27. So my older brother has... Um, uh, Asperger's or whatever that I guess Asperger's has been canceled because uh, Dr. Asperger's was a Nazi so they just said oh that. that's why yeah, they're I, like oh, oh you so can't I, say Asperger's anymore even I, though it's, it's I was a confused about that yeah, you I was can't very cancel confused. a condition you don't say mm -hmm. like oh he was a doctor he may, he was at this you know uh, he was a part of this terrible group of people okay doesn't exist anymore that's not how it works that is insane I you thought know, I thought it was Dr. just diabetes was a part yeah. of the KKK you don't just say oh diabetes doesn't exist anymore yeah. but so anyway um, <laughs> my brother is on, on the spectrum and when we were growing up he couldn't learn languages so they essentially said 
all right, we're not going to make him go up on stage and, and try to speak Hebrew in front of his peers. Yeah. That's a terrible way to ruin his self-esteem. So they didn't make him do it. And I was nine. I don't want to mm-hmm. go to fucking Hebrew school. And they're like, all right, we don't know how to tell our nine-year-old that his older brother is, you know, uh, um, uh, slightly, you know, autistic. So fuck it, no bar mitzvahs. But then last year I realized during COVID, I was like, uh, most of my identity is Jewish. I look Jewish. I do and say so many things that are Jewish (laughs) that I gotta just, I gotta do it. I gotta stop being a fake. I gotta become a Jew, even though I'm doing the Italian thing here. I thought you were Italian. Thank you. Yeah, I I was. Well, Italians are just athletic Jews, which is a nice way of saying (laughs) Jews are just smart Italians. But um, I, I wanted to have a bar mitzvah. So I studied with this rabbi who my friend set me up with and I, he never told me that the temple he had set up for me was an Orthodox temple. So my friends flew yeah. in from out of town and we all go to the temple and there's curtains up. There you women. go. You have there to separate go. the women from the men. Oh, so, it's, it is like, uh, yes. it's like an Islamic thing. I thought, uh, it's, it's, it's a Jewish thing. It's an Islamic thing. It's an old timey thing. Yes. It's a very old tradition. And my mom being a New York Jewish mother, she walks in, sees the curtains and out loud at full volume just goes absolutely fucking not. And so she made the rabbi like open the curtains so that she could just like sit next to it and just look, stare through and like film me. And all the other Jews were just like grumbling, but they were all afraid to like talk to her. <laughs> five foot one and full of fury. So I get bar mitzvah at this Orthodox temple, mm-hmm. but all my friends flew in and none of them speak Hebrew or no Hebrew. Yeah. And all of the, the Orthodox Jews are like giving them dirty looks and like trying to like get them to follow along. And they're flipping the pages for them. And then at one point, um, they had to pick me up and, and carry me around the church. Yeah, yeah. And they, they had these like shitty fold out chairs that no one wanted to pick up. Yeah. So what they did was my friend Rob is six foot eight. They looked at Rob and they just, they said, we can pick you up in a chair or if you have any tall friends, they could just pick you up. So Rob put me on his shoulders and this gigantic Catholic boy just carried me around on his shoulders while a bunch of Jews danced and threw candy at me. There we go. And then we we went to uh, Big Dean's after and we got, uh, I just, I, my parents helped cover a, a bar we had an open bar mitzvah. There we go, man. It was absolutely All right. amazing. All right, we, we got to go ahead and cut to commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, guys, and we're back. And uh, I know uh, previously we were talking about bar mitzvahs, which, F, yeah, Mazel Tov. Dude, I spent like two minutes of that conversation thinking what Mazel Tov was. I was like, what's the celebration word? What's the it's, celebration? Uh, it's congratulations, and then L'chaim uh, is kind of the cheers. It's like salute, L'chaim. L'chaim. Kind of like uh, to life, if you will. To life, baby. I, 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 I forgot to tell you, actually, uh-huh. um, you know, every... Bar Mitzvah is a theme. There's the theme. Do you My, get to pick the theme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's cool. always like, you know, star, it's movies or 
Hollywood or that's awesome. You know, uh, video games or it's always something a twelve year old would like. Yeah, uh, my bar mitzvah was Danny DeVito themed. Dude, that's a strong one. That's why that's your fantastic. your profile picks with Danny yeah, DeVito. Yeah, yes, Danny and I um, have a prolific relationship with each other. He's not aware of it. I, uh, <laughs> I love it, but he's a big part of my life, and he's. He gave me strength in believing myself and liking myself. And Dude, he's actually an amazing... I, I know he's known for his comedy spiels, but you watch all of his earlier stuff. It's pretty Dude, incredible. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is yeah. one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Um, I mean, going back into comedy, like, Twins and... I, no, uh, it was Twins, right? Yeah, yeah with that's, Arnold. Yeah, with Arnold. What a phenomenal <laughs> Yeah, movie. what a great guy. But, dude, we were speaking earlier about about the NFL teams, and I forgot to mention that it's like I, growing up, I never really had one because I was surrounded by failures. You know, I, I had the Detroit Mom, Lions. Dad. No, no, they're cool. Okay, It was football failures, unfortunately, though, because, you know, I had terrible teams around me. I had the Lions and I had the Browns, you know. And I always wanted to like one, and thank, thank goodness we have the Ohio State Buckeyes always representing the good – Top twenty team, but uh, one yeah, person Urban I would admire. What a, what a hey, gentleman! Did, he's what the a, man, baby. Ringing the ship, baby. Hey, who was the the last people University of Miami played in the national championship? Two thousand one, baby champs, national believe, champs, baby. Because Miami I'll take it either way, dude. Any way you put it. Yeah, well done. Real good <laughs> fan. Yeah. Corrected on your own jersey's hey, knowledge. All right, dude. It's all right. One thing I did want to bring up, though, is I won an NFL team, and I wanted to take a little time out to call out Joey Bosa, dude. Not only are you an Ohio guy, but you're out here in L.A., and honestly, I'm not a Rams guy. I'm just not. I never vibed with the team. One team I could vibe with, though, are the L.A. Chargers. I feel like they're up and coming, and I really want to support them. But honestly, if Joey can't come on the, the pod, dude, I don't think I can do so. What's your thoughts? I mean, they're up and coming. They're good. They're, they're amazing. They, they didn't even make the made, playoffs they last year. one game. Justin Herbert threw like dude, four it was passes like, on it was fourth like down. The most drove deflated. them down to the end. Hey, dude, I think they're ready to pop. All they need is my fanship. The Chargers have been so all they fake. need they is all me. All those years of Ladanian Tomlinson just like trucking people and almost making high it. on crack, <laughs> just crushing it. He is a stud, dude. And then, dude, Philip Rivers was I uh, almost talented enough to win a Super Bowl. Enough, yeah. Andrew Brees for a dude. Bit. He was a dick though. Philip Rivers. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Did, he, did, never he, like, he, he never cussed. He never cussed. He's a good Catholic boy, right? He has like uh, 10 kids. And dude, I think that's just like a, a farmer boy. Kind of a farmer thing. Yeah, kind of a farmer boy out there in the sticks. He kind of reminds me of like any character played by Michael Keaton. Like he just kind of seems like a dick. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could see that. And it's, it's weird because you always watch the clips of him. It's like I've never seen a bigger asshole that doesn't cuss. Dude, I went to strip clubs in Florida. I have not seen a bigger asshole than Philip Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> so that should tell you guys something. Strip clubs in Florida. So he's, you've gotten gotten down with it then. I hate strip clubs. I'm I, not a fan. What I don't not understand is the idea that I'm going to go pay to... So why would you get horny to not have sex? I get Either you Either blue that. balls are real or they're not. I truly don't even know or care the difference, but like I have no desire to get horny and then not have sex. And also, I have never been looking at a pair of tits and thought to myself, you know what would make this better? 
my buddy Billy. <laughs> if only I could have my buddy, who I'm thinking about whether he has an erection or not. Big next old to me. buddy Billy. Yeah. Do, does he notice that I notice his erection? Should I say something? Should I not? One time I tried a joke that was like, are those your keys or is that your erection? And my buddy just left. And then I was alone in a strip club, which is even weirder. It was a strip club under a Chili's in Philadelphia. Ooh. Yeah. It was like a stripper that my buddy wanted to like see perform. I guess he followed her at the time. I don't know. Um, but I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of to wrap up the episode, usually we ask people uh, if they have any advice for someone that's just about to start. You know how we talked. We had like six months in us where we just wrote a bunch of jokes, never performed them, but finally got the courage to get on stage. What advice would you have, Tyler, before you came up on stage? You know, where where would you go? What would you do if you could do it all over again? Yeah, um, I think there's there's a couple things um, that were really helpful. One would be, this was told to me really early on, and I didn't really uh, do it as much as I should have, but but now I really get it, is find your tribe. Yeah. Find your group of people that you're going to hit the open mics with. Um, really connect with them, write with them, breathe comedy with them, go to shows. Um, it's such a hard thing to do alone. Yeah. And it's very demoralizing at times. Oh, yeah. And if you're doing it alone, you're just going to be in your head the entire time. You might spend hours on jokes or bits that just aren't funny. Oh, and yeah. if you have your soundboard friends, you can just turn to them, hey, hey, I have this idea for, you know, um, uh, hey, I, I, uh, Israel, you know, uh, oh, the, the, the Jews were supposed to get a safe place to live and uh, where did we put them? The most fought over land in the history of the world. Is that funny? And like your friends can either say, oh yeah, yeah, that's a really good bit. Or they can say, no, no one wants to laugh about that right now. You're a moron. <laughs> yeah. um, and it saves you so much time and energy. I, I remember when I first started, um, you know, like I'd always call like weird people to like run jokes by and they're not comics. And like when you bring a joke around people that are not comics and people that stand in front of like you know they're in the crowd not on the stage and you could just not the feedback that you need to go up on stage and really perform things out and once you like you definitely need a group of friends where you're like hey dude i was thinking about this what do you think about that and it's like especially the stuff where it's like you dance that fine line that edge yeah and you're like hey is this too much should i be saying this in public yeah the the open mics are to work out your bits but it's definitely better to have them slightly worked out when you get there than to just try them completely raw. Um, I, I think there's something to be said too about, yes, the open mics are to find your, your bits and your jokes and figure out what works and what doesn't, but go prepared because not only is rambling on stage annoying and it's not gonna work, oh, yeah. but the other comics are your peers. And if you start just, you know, if you go up without jokes or you're not, you know, you're not really organized, they're not going to listen and you're going to kind of screw yourself. If you have jokes, they will respect you. It doesn't yeah. have to be funny. They, they can be um, okay jokes, good jokes, whatever. As long as they're in a joke format, people will listen and laugh if it's funny or not when it's not. But if you go up without jokes, then you're going to brand yourself as a bad comic or a lazy comic 
Um, and people are going to just stop listening to you on stage. Yeah. When I first went up, I, I had my five minutes down to like the second. I knew exactly what I was going to say. And it, it's weird because I feel like that almost made me comfortable enough where it's like, even if I don't get a laugh, I got a full five minutes. I'm not walking off stage early. I just get up there and I do it and I, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those, those small goals are, are perfect because mm-hmm. if your goal is like, I'm going to be up at the improv or the laugh factory um, or the comedy store, I'm going to get up there in, in, you know, the next five years or something. Um, that is, it's a goal, but <laughs> you're going to go fucking crazy because yeah. you're not going to break so in all you're going to think about it. Yeah. And, and nothing's going to feel like success. You yeah. have to have small goals that are like, I'm going to write a hundred jokes this week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write a joke every day for something that's trendy on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And that way you can feel like you're making small progress. Yeah. And then it's, I'm going to do a show in the small room at the comedy store. I'm going to do a show in the lab at the improv. And you can start hitting these milestones that will then get you to the big goals. Yeah. Um, but if you make it a big goal and it's, it's either, you know, it's boom or bust, you're not going to be motivated enough to make it to the boom. It's just not going to happen. You may be one of those lucky few people. But yeah. I always tell people, like, um, you know, the famous story is Sylvester Stallone was offered whatever it was, 250 grand for Rocky. And he said, you know, but they wanted to buy it. And he was like, no, I want to, I want to act in it. Yeah. They're like, well, no, I don't want you to act in it. And then they came back and they're like 300 grand to buy it. And he was like, I don't want to, I don't want to sell it. I want to act in it. And then eventually they let him act in it and he won an Oscar. And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear the thousands of people who said, no, I want to act in it. And then they said, all right, that's fine. And they went and bought a different movie. And yeah. They made another movie. And that movie just never got made. <laughs> so, that, yes, That it's movie true. might have gotten made and totally bombed. Right. So, know. yes, it's true that some people do make it very quickly or they just blow up overnight or you get these you know random just sensational people that just come out of nowhere but if you're banking on that happening it's it's probably not going to happen yeah exactly and uh i was about to say all in all uh at the end of the day if you had to pick an open mic to go to or maybe two uh which ones would you recommend going to for your first time for your first time um if you're in LA you know Badger and Jam can be great um Ono Vino on the east side is a very supportive good mic um it's it's I've seen you know people go up there and it's just a fun atmosphere Um, I've never been there yeah it's great there's uh, a place called Fanatic Salon in Culver City Mm -hmm. very fun get there early because they they fill up pretty quickly and nothing's worse than being like last on a long lineup um, but yeah, you can, you can really find some very supportive, good mics. Don't go to the big clubs originally. Don't yeah. do your first set at the store. Don't do your <laughs> first set at the improv. Um, yeah. And then if you're in New York, you know, anything that's hosted by, uh, Sarah Harvard, she's, she's great. Shout out Sarah. What's up girl. Yeah. I don't even know if she remembers me, but I, I was just starting out. Um, and I went to a couple mics with her and, and very supportive, great mic. Mm-hmm. Um, here, make sure you pass, pass along that information. That information yeah. guys will be in the description. So if you're interested in comedy and you want to get started, it's all going to be there. And, and also my advice is go, go to comedy, mm-hmm. get out there. 
you know, um, find a role, find two role models. Find a role model you like who's made it, and find a role model you like you like who's local. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look up to these guys. I have Sam Morrill is, is, I think, a comedy god. Yeah. He's a New York comic. He's very much the old style of, like, he stands at the microphone. He tells you his jokes um, or stories or whatever. And that's all it is. There's, there's no performance to it. It's, it's all this, like, really beautifully curated written stuff. Yeah. I can love what he does. But if I try to do Sam Morrill, I'm going to fail. Gotta um, do you guys. You, you gotta, gotta do, you. do you. And he's at another level. He's been doing it for a lot longer than I have. Yeah. And it's unobtainable uh, to try to be Samuel tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I can be one of the local guys who's um, up know, and coming in the circuit. Yeah. Right. He's Absolutely. not well known, but they're they're making headwaves. I can watch them and be like, okay, I can do that. I can I can write as well as this guy. I can perform like this guy does. And it, it really gives you a better stepping stone than just saying, I want to be Anthony Jeselnik, and then going out tomorrow and trying to do jokes and for the failing. same style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because if you if you yeah. try for a home run every time, mm-hmm. you know, you got to remember that, you know, Ryan Howard led the league in home runs the same year he led the league in strikeouts. Yeah. So, or you could be Ichiro Suzuki and lead the league in hits. Yeah. You know, he got on... on on uh, base so many times yeah. so he was happy more often yeah. he didn't have the home runs he didn't have the overjoy but he was more consistent he got long story more. short guys you need to get on stage though get on stage as much as possible stage time stage time stage time make it count um, but yeah the, the most important thing is just get comfortable with yourself find your style and go from there anything else before we end the podcast um, yeah, follow me at Tyler Strauss Comedy. Tyler Strauss, bang, bang. It's going to be in the description, guys. Uh, if you have any other questions or concerns that you want to run by him, just hit him up in the DMs, baby. Feel free, yeah. I'm, I'm an open book, so. All right, guys. Peace out.